Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Father God, we do come to you now. We present this service to you. We ask you that your will be done in this service tonight, Father. That your plan and your purpose be accomplished throughout each and every heart and each and every life that hears anything that is ministered here tonight, Father. That our lives be changed and we be set on the path that you would have us to be, Father. That we would be vessels used, meet for your use, Father. That we be a shining light. That we would be uh, characters and, and examples that you could use in any way that you would deem possible, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Am I too loud, too hot? Sounds like I'm echoing pretty good up here. Glory to God. Well, I am a little bit excited tonight because I know something. And um, I know when I get something. How many of you were here when we did this building? Stand up if you were here, when, when we, and you stayed with us pretty much through, uh, throughout the, the thing. Stand up. There were several of you that did that. You were here. Yeah. Look at the people that helped us with it. Now, now just stand, just for, just for, keep standing just for a second. I want to ask you a question. Now, those people that are in here, and I see the faces, and you're, you are the ones that were here. I can see your faces. If you learned anything about me, you learned when I set my mind to something, what happens? It gets done. All right. You can be seated. Well, I set my mind to something today. So I'm telling you what, things are about to change at Faith Life Church. I have had it up to like here with the depression and the oppression and the marriage troubles and the financial troubles and the problems that people are going through in here. And uh, when you set your mind to something, it's got to change. And it don't matter if it means ripping up a whole floor, if it means ripping out walls. You sometimes have to do that very same thing in your life. And you can take as long as you want to take to do it, or you can get it done in a hurry. Now, if you're going to stay with me, we're going to get it done in a hurry. Because we don't play with stuff. You stomp your foot, and you pump your fist, and you get it done. And you quit playing with it. Because the devil has taken enough of our time. Our time is valuable, and it's precious. We don't have any time to waste. And he knows what's ahead of us. And if he knows what's ahead of us, that's the whole point of what he's trying to do is to keep us from accomplishing what He wants us to accomplish. So I'm on a mission in here tonight. Are y'all ready? Are y'all hooked? All right, let's not play with it. Keith is in California. He's preaching in a convention tonight. I think, let's see, last night either Jerry or Creflo spoke and the night before the other one spoke or whatever. But they're doing good things and they don't speak. We'll be done probably by the time they get started. So uh, we've prayed for him. Y'all are, I know, all hooked and believing with him and stuff. So, Father, we do. We just lift him up to you again. We say when they start, it'll be good and it'll be of you and you'll use them in all the ways that you need to. And we all agree in Jesus' name. 
and uh, they'll do a good job. And then let's see, uh, Sunday night he'll be in, in uh, I guess, Marina Del Rey out there speaking at Raging Wilson's church in a convention center type thing. And then, um, then he'll be in Oregon on Monday night. So uh, he's going to be hop, hop, skip, jump, you know, but it'll be good. So are y'all ready? The title tonight, you ready for it? Enjoy life. Now, if you don't want to enjoy life, get your purse and your Bible and find the exit. Because <laughs> it's just like working on this building. If you know anything about me, if you ain't ready to work, you might as well as go home. Because sometimes you got work to do. Sometimes it's time to play and sometimes it's time to work. And it's time to work right now. Okay? We've let the devil play with us long enough. It's time to put our feet down and rear our heads back and get to work. And we can play with it as long as we want to or we can put our hearts into it for just a short period of time and get it done. What are you game for? Get it done or play with it for another 10 years. I'm not. That's not my personality. I like to get it done so we can do something else. All right? Let's look at some scriptures then. More Life Ministries has a logo. And on the logo, there is a verse. And the Lord reminded me of that when I started thinking about what to speak on. And I want you to read it with me. John 10.10. The King James says... The thief. Now, who is the thief? Are you confused about that? I mean, either. Okay. The thief comes not far but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What are all those things I named? Death. In some form or fashion. Oppression, depression, sickness, weakness, uh, poverty, uh, marriage troubles, uh, kid troubles, confusion. What are they? Death in some form or fashion. Who's causing it? The devil. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Who is that? Jesus came for the purpose to give you life more abundantly. Now, why are you doing what the devil wants you to do instead of what Jesus wants you to do? Let's read some more verses. Let's see if we can't figure this out. It says, the Amplified says, the thief comes... Only in order to steal, kill, or destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life. Not endure life. Is there a difference between enduring life and enjoying life? How many of you feel like, don't raise your hand, you've been enduring life? And not enjoying life. Well, Jesus came for you to enjoy it, not endure it. So why why would we do that? 
we're not going to do it, okay? We're going to enjoy life and have it to the abundance, to the full, till it overflows. Not overflows with grief, but with joy. The New Living says, The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Yours been rich? Been satisfying? I don't want to show a hands. And one more we're going to read, then we'll go on. The message. A thief is only there, and we know it's the thief, is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come, I came so that they can have real, eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, wait a minute. He came that you could have life better than you ever dreamed of, and you ain't even paying your light bill. Is that a better life than you ever dreamed of? You can't even sustain your marriage. Is that a better life than you ever dreamed of? You can't even get along with your boss. Is that a better life than you ever dreamed of? You can't make it through the day without being depressed or oppressed. You don't even want to get out of the house. Is that a better life than you ever dreamed of? So let's go back to the question. Why are we living the devil's life that he has planned for us instead of the life that God has planned for us and the life that God sent Jesus to give us. We're living the same exact life as the world is living. There's absolutely no difference if you're saved. What point? What did Jesus do for you? What is your fruit? So you're going to heaven. See how quiet it got? You should have some fruit here. And now, he came that you could enjoy life here and now. Not endure it. So why are so many people dreading waking up in the morning? Why are so many people so confused and so upset and so in the mully grubs and so down and so don't want to be here and saying, oh, Jesus, come soon? Why is that? Why aren't any, why, why ain't anybody enjoying life? What's the right word? Let's see. Why can't anybody enjoy life? Why shan't anybody enjoy life? Why isn't anybody enjoying life? Because we ain't doing it right. It wasn't God's plan. He sent Jesus so that we could enjoy life. He endured everything for us so that we could enjoy life. But the devil has a plan for you. 
Now God can come and have Jesus send laborers, ministering spirits, send people along your path. And just like what we just heard, you watch the scenario. I don't know who the person is that sent in the testimony about the house and God giving them a house in for, to live in for free. But I would be willing to wager, and I am not a betting person, but I would almost do it, that the devil immediately came and said, yes, you get to live in the house for free, but how are you going to pay your light bill? And how are you going to pay the insurance? And you know how far it is for you to drive to work? Now it's going to cost you double in gas. Now God can give you a car. A brand new car. Somebody can come and walk right up to you and hand you the keys and put them in your hand. And what's the very first thing the devil's going to say? How are you going to pay the tag? How are you going to get the taxes paid? (laughs) What about the insurance? I wonder how much the insurance is going to cost on this thing. Now, God just gave you a car that costed $40,000. And you didn't have to pay a dime for it. But you ain't going to have $400 to buy a tag for it. Or however much it cost. I know we had some people, I don't forget, a year or two, three years ago, whatever it was, God gave them a new house, built them a new house. And I kid you not, the devil told them they were not going to have the sod to put in the yard. How many of you remember that testimony? God can give you a good husband or a good wife. I mean a godly husband, a godly wife. Somebody that loves the Lord. Somebody that doesn't beat you half to death all the time. Somebody that goes to church with you. Somebody that cares about good things. All you think about is, they don't buy me a present. They wore that plaid shirt with those plaid pants and embarrassed me. Right? What does the devil do immediately? God can give somebody a baby. They've been believing God for a baby. They can get pregnant. They can have a baby. What's the very first things the devil starts doing? How, how are we going to raise this baby? What are we going to do? Where's the money going to come from? We don't have money for formula. We don't have money for diapers. What are we going to do? Nobody's here to help us raise it. Mom and Daddy live way over there. They live way over there. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You ever heard the devil tell you anything like that? Okay, let me ask you. And raise your hand. How many of you, God, ever blessed you with something and immediately following, the devil comes behind it and asks you 26 questions about what are you going to do now? Immediately. Now, how dumb are we to entertain the thought? 
gonna? How, how are we gonna pay the gas to get to work when, when the house that they gave us for free to live in is an extra 10 miles? How, how are we gonna do that? Hey, honey, how, how are we gonna get extra money for gas? Uh, duh. Well, the same, same, very same God that dealt with somebody to give you the house, if you continue to sow, will deal with somebody. To give you gas money. But the devil doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to take that thought and begin to, to worry about it. And get stressed about it. And get upset about it. And get confused about it. Or God says, okay, pick up everything you got and go here. Oh, God. How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? What about the kids? What about the this? What about the that? What? 50,000 questions. Who is the author of confusion? With God, it's real simple. He tells you to do something. Or He gives you something. Is it confusing with Him? He just says, do this. Now's when the problem comes. That reasoning thing that goes on in your mind. Or that questioning thing about how. That one little word. Why? How? What? Opens the door to everything that the devil wants to open it to. And it gets you in a whole nother realm. Whose realm? What happened to the enjoyment immediately? What happened to the joy level that you had when you got the car? You can't even enjoy the car anymore because you've got to go buy the tag. Right? So who's, who did you change to focus on? Who did you yield to? You're no longer yielding to God and the blessing. You're yielding to the devil and the curse. And it takes all of about one millisecond to do. So let's look at a few things. As soon as you get a blessing, what does the devil do? He says, oh no, oh no, 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 no. They paid off Jim's house? Oh no. Okay, Icky, and Mr. Devil Sticky too, and uh, whatever the devil's names are, you know. Dummy one, dummy two. (laughs) You go to them, and immediately, whatever the area is that um, bothers them the very most. Whatever it is with them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the (laughs) mother-in-law. Or maybe it's the job. You don't have work. Maybe it's the wife. 
whatever it is. All of the devils from hell are loosed on that area in your life. Because he wants to stop you from believing in these blessings. He wants to get your focus off of the blessing that you just got onto the trouble that you have got. Immediately. And what should you do? Immediately. Remember the blessing. Don't think about the problem. Remember the blessing. Because that's his whole game plan. Is because if you continue to remember the blessing, this blessing, the next blessing, the next blessing, the one you had last week, the one you had last month, the one you had the week before that, how easy is it to forget the blessings? Really, really easy. How easy is it to remember the problem? Which is easier? Do you seem to have help remembering the problems? <laughs> hmm? I wonder why that is. Because you do have help. The devil is right there. He is not like God. And he's not pushy. I mean, the devil is pushy. God is not pushy. The devil is constantly pushing these thoughts into your mind. And pressuring you. And we're going to get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself on some things. But he's constantly feeding you these thoughts. And you should constantly be thinking about, oh, no, no, no. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about my new car. Get in my new car. Go blow some leaves off the road like he says. Get in my new house. Clean a window. Whatever you have to do. But don't think about the problem. I don't care how far you got to go back to remember your last blessing. You think about the blessing and not about the problem. It'll start turning some things around for you. Look with me at um, Romans. Let's see. Chapter 7. And let's start at verse 6. For to be carnally minded, well, let's see, I must have the wrong thing up there for y'all. Let's see where this was. See if y'all can locate it for me. It is Romans. Did I have the wrong thing? Eight. It went on into eight, sorry. Eight, six. Um, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Where does the death come from that we learned? What does the devil come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're thinking on things that are bringing death to you, what are you being? Carnally minded. You don't have to raise your hand. But every person in this room has done it. 
And that's what's got us in the lot that we're in. Because if we were being spiritually minded, every person in this room would be at peace. Because we would be so spiritual and nothing would ever bother us. But somehow, some way, the devil finds the very thing that bothers you. And it's not the same thing with every person. He finds the thing that irritates you the most and grinds on it. Whatever it is. Maybe it's your child playing rock and roll music at midnight and you're trying to sleep because you've got to get up at four. Maybe your child got a new set of drums. I don't know. But he finds the thing that irritates you and grinds on it and causes you to become carnally minded instead of spiritually minded. He finds the thing at work that does that or the person and just happens to assign them to the spot right next to you. Puts them in the office with you. And they happen to do the very thing that irritates you, like pop their gum. Or uh, their breath smells. Or uh, they, whatever it is. But the devil knows exactly what to do to keep you carnally minded. Because he knows if he does these things, he keeps you on this plane... Instead of being able to minister peace to anyone around you, you go in and you're irritated and you're agitated all day long. What does that minister to other people? What you have in you is going to come out. You can't cover it, no matter how hard you try. And if you're irritated and you're agitated, it's going to come out. So we got to fix it, right? All right. Philippians. I'll read you verse 8. You probably don't want to, you probably don't even want to read it right after that. It says, uh, so then that are in the flesh, uh, you can't even please God. So we don't want to stay in that area. We'll just pass right over that one, right? Philippians 4, 6. Now, we all know these verses, but there's one minor detail that we have forgotten. you got to do them. It's a minor, minor detail that, that, that comes with these things. It says, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But, brothers, this is what you got to do. 
Finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, toss these things out. So why do we choose to think on the other things? Because it takes W-O-R-K to put the flesh under. It takes W-O-R-K to get anything done in this life. And that is the problem. It takes work to do anything that you're going to do with your mind, with your body, with your heart, with your kids, with your family, with your job, with growing up spiritually. It takes work with your marriage. And like it or not, we're lazy. It's easier to be depressed. It's easier to complain. It's easier to do without. It's easier to feel sorry for ourselves than it is to get up off of our tushes and get in here and spend how many how many weeks did we come in here? Six weeks, night and day. Now, if you did what you needed to do with your mind and your body for six weeks, night and day, you'd be a different person. Six weeks. Now, I know I I don't know how much sleep I got in that six weeks. Y'all probably know more than me. Reckon how much? Not much. Maybe the, how much, Gary? It was overrated. <laughs> Sleep was overrated. That's what I kept telling them. Sleep is overrated. So uh, I may have gotten during that time, you know, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But my point to you is nobody has time anymore for God. They got time to have, just like me, I'm talking to myself, okay? Three cell phones, two pagers, 12 internets, 16 TVs, four cars, four kids with 26 different athletic programs. Social programs that you go out and you do, and and recreational things that you go out and you do, and everything else under the sun except for God. You fight the time to find time to read one chapter a day. But, 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 let something go wrong. And you get mad at God. 
You can say you're not mad at God, but you're mad at God. Because He didn't come through for you. But the truth is, if you took six weeks and forgot about that flesh, I'm talking to me too. I mean, Dave and I are the ones that got in trouble for texting in church. You remember that, right? (laughs) Kim calls Dave's cell phone an appendage. Keith thinks I can't leave someplace without two, you know, or one, or, you know, you're going in 12 different directions. We don't go without my cell phone, you know. But if you were to take six weeks and do what you knew was right, nobody can tell you what that is. And putting God first place in your life, Sleep or no sleep. Sleep's overrated. If it means putting God first. TV's overrated. I quit watching it a year ago, over a year ago now. Because I decided I didn't have time. I couldn't do work and TV. And God. But if you actually gave God a little bit of time in your life, a little bit of place, and you tore down some walls, and you dug up that floor, like we had to do in here, and you sweat a little bit, and it hurt, and you got some blisters, and you got some sore muscles, didn't you, Dan? And you got tired, didn't you, Dave? More, a couple of times. And your arms got a little sore from painting, didn't they, Gary? We got a little tired. But you know what? When it was done, we were... Jim, you were glad, weren't you? It was worth it, wasn't it? Was it worth it to you? It was worth it to me. It felt like... We had actually accomplished something. We felt like... (sighs) You felt like you were happy with yourself. How long has it been since you actually felt happy with your own self? Nobody can give you that. No pill can give you that. No drug can give you that. No other person can give you that. You doing what you know in your heart that you're supposed to do can only give you that. When you do that, you go away with a sense of fulfillment. You go away with a sense of, it's almost like your endorphins are supercharged inside you. You're like, look at what I did. Why? 
Because you have a confidence inside you that you did it. God's pleased with you. You're pleased with you. But what happens to you when you know that you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it? And the more you don't do it, the lower you get. And the lower you get. And the lower you get. And pretty soon, you have zero confidence left. And you're just kind of shriveled up. And you're just like, life's worth not worth living. I don't have a purpose. There's nothing to me. Why am I even here? God, I shouldn't have even been born. What what do I? I just should die. But if you get up with what little strength that you have and take a tiny step and begin to do and put our stinking flesh... This stuff stinks, you know it? Under. And take a baby step and begin to do what you know you're supposed to do. You'll begin to grow. And you'll begin to get... What's that little song that the kids used to sing? Read your Bible, pray every day, and grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and shrink, shrink, shrink. I mean, the preschoolers know that. We should know it. It's so simple. Let's look at some other scriptures. Matthew 11. Again, I'm not going to give you one scripture tonight that you've never heard before. But there's a big difference in knowing and doing. Matthew 11.29 in the Amplified. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find bondage and sadness. You will find sorrow and depression. You will find confusion and discontentment. You will find so much pain and suffering for your wearied souls. Isn't that what it says? How many of you in here are born again? Let's see that again. Hmm. So if we're all born again, let's read this verse just a minute. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm gentle and meek and humble and lowly in heart. You will find and relief and ease and refreshment and recreation 
and blessed quiet for your souls? For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, not hard, not sharp, not pressing, but comfortable and gracious and pleasant. My burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, if you look up yoke, now I know you don't want to hear this, but let me tell you. If you look up yoke in Vines Dictionary, how many of you know what Vines Dictionary is? Very good. Go home and look it up. Don't take my word for it. Find it. Go to a Bible bookstore. Find you a Vines. Look it up. Yoke equals submission to God's authority. If you submit to God's authority, then you will find rest and relief and refreshment and recreation and quiet. But what is happening so much of the time is people are doing, I'm not a good fractions person, um, Keith doesn't like for me to tell this, but I'll tell you anyway. I cheated off his paper in school, you know, so it, I made it through. I'm not using math today. I have an accounting person that does that for me. Um, a very small fraction of people. What happens is the devil is so sneaky. He just makes me so mad is he gets them to the place that they're supposed to be, maybe. And he convinces them. And they finally step out and get to a place that they're supposed to be. Maybe a job that they're supposed to be. Or maybe a, a, a person that they're supposed to be with. Or maybe, a, a, I don't know, a, a, a church that they're supposed to be with. Whatever the situation is. And they're there. And they get a little bit in their place. And they are convinced they're where they're supposed to be. But they refuse to do the rest of what God wants them to do. So they can't be blessed. It's like a child. Let me explain this to you. It's like you tell your child... Yes, they can go to a party if they come home by 11 o'clock. And they did exactly what you told them to do. They went to the party and they were home by 11 o'clock. But what about if everything else they did at the party, they knew you disagreed with? They drank. They were fooling around with somebody and maybe in a bedroom and um, doing drugs, but they went to the party and they didn't drive fast and they were home by 11 o'clock. Are they going to be blessed? That's what so many of us are wanting. We are going to the party. We're going to the right church. 
We're going to the right job. We're marrying the right person. But everything else in the middle is our will and our way, and we're going to stomp our foot and we're going to get it. And we're going to expect God to bless us anyway. But it doesn't work that way, guys. And so we're all depressed or upset. Our marriages are falling apart. Our kids are being a mess. Losing jobs, not having money to pay our bills. You can't just give and, and sow and expect everything to come to you when you're doing everything else wrong. It doesn't work that way. I mean, Dave and Kim are good parents, and, and I love Ramsey. She's almost like a daughter to me. But if they said go to a party and, and they said be home by 11 o'clock and, and drive right while you're getting there, but she fooled around with somebody and was in a bedroom with somebody and was doing drinking and doing drugs, do you think it would be right for Dave to bless her when he found out about it? What do you think he should do? Yeah, exactly. Ha, 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 ha. She has opened the door wide open for the devil to destroy her. And not only that, she has made a mockery of her parents. And that's what we're doing to God. We're coming here to church. And we're saying, look at us. We are faith people. We are God's people. And we know what we're doing behind the scenes. We're being rebellious. We're doing what we want to do. We're giving God whatever we want to give Him. We're barely finding time to read a chapter, much less putting Him first. But when something goes wrong, who do we run to and expect to fix it for us? And I'm saying we just as much as anybody else in here. We have to do better at doing what he says. We can't just do the parts that we like. We have to put a, a, apply ourselves. Apply ourselves for six weeks. Our lives will be different. You'll see the difference in your life. Do what he says. Go back. Look at what he told you to do. Put that stinking flesh under. It's worthless. You cannot trust it. If it says it's black, you can count on it being white. And the trouble that you get into is when you yield to it a little bit, you get so confused that you think something is spiritual when it's not. And you won't listen to your leaders anymore because you're convinced of it. The more you yield to the flesh, the more spiritual you think you are. And you won't listen to people that really are spiritual. Ask me how I know. And you can do it in one area or not in an area or... But are y'all ready to grow up? I'm telling you guys, I don't know if you know how many different people look to you guys as being an example. Every place we go, they're saying, the faith-like church people? 
they look at you as being an example of having it all together. And us too. So shouldn't we have it all together? we got work to do ahead of us. A lot of it. And, you know, I'm thinking about situations and places and things that people need to be doing. And every time I go to think about putting somebody in a situation, it's like God says, wait. So I go to another one. It's like God says, wait. And I go to another one and God says, wait. And it's the call on their lives. Many are called, but why are the few chosen? Because they won't put their flesh under. There's rewards that far outweigh anything that your flesh can give you. I know every time I have ever stepped out and been obedient to what God wanted me to do. Yes, it's cost my flesh. But it has been so rewarding. Nothing will satisfy you like being rewarded spiritually. And if you've never been there, get in. Take a step. Give it your whole heart. You will soon find out what it means when God uses you and you're rewarded by doing something spiritual. It Nothing pays. Nothing feels the same. Nothing satisfies It's nothing like it. Your flesh doesn't even compare to the feelings that you get when you have done something to help somebody spiritually. There's no comparison. I mean, I think it was last week when I read those testimonies. One healed and one marriage saved and and one person's life turned around. And and when I first read them, I just sat there and weeped because I thought, oh God, you just feel so unworthy because of what things that you've, you've dealt with and things that you've done and, and you think, how can you use people? And you just want to throw everything else aside and just plunge in. Because this is people's lives that we're talking about. And if you can help one person, the guy that overcame cancer and we sent the tapes, you remember that testimony? Can you imagine... That can be you. And you say, well, maybe I don't have that call. Well, if you're back there making tapes and that tape went to that person, it's you. Or you put a stamp on that package and it went to that person, it's part of you. We can't do it all. I mean, I didn't put the tape in the package and I didn't put the CD together and I didn't burn the disc and I didn't... Somebody else did that. So they're going to get rewarded for it. It's not all about standing up here and doing it. It's about what doing what He has called you to do. And I don't know what that is, but you know what it is. Apply yourselves. Do what you need to do. For, turn to First Peter. Well, let's, let me back up. Wait, going too fast. Turn to, um, 
Philippians um, 4, 6. In the Amplified. It says, don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now you can laugh now. That wasn't a, a question that he asked you. He didn't say, think about not doing it. He didn't say, um, consider not doing it. He said, what? Don't do it. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now, I'm reading these verses to myself, okay? But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul. There it is again. Assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and being content. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. Being content. Uh Uh-oh. With its earthly lot, whatever sort that is. Isn't that what Paul said too? Being content with his earthly lot, whatever sort that is, that peace, here's your next part, that transcends all understanding. You don't understand how you can be content, but you've got to be content. Shall garrison a mound guard over your hearts and minds. For the rest, brethren, here it is, whatsoever's true, worthy of reverence, Honorable, seemly, just, pure, lovely, lovable, kind, winsome, gracious. If there's virtue or excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Do what? Fix your mind on them. So when the devil comes and you get a blessing or you get something good and immediately he comes to steal it, what do you do? How do you avoid getting down and depressed and upset and what choice do you have? The devil has one major thing going for him that we don't have. You want to know what it is? He doesn't get worn down. He's going to wear you down quickly. And he's going to keep coming back over and over and over again and wearing you down with the same thing. How many of you that the devil's played the same thing over and over and over and over again? Has he changed his tactic on you or is he using this very same thing for the last 40 years? It's this very same area over and over and over and over again. He knows what bothers you and he doesn't have to change it because he knows it bothers you. So how do we fix that? We don't let it bother us. We play a real trick on the devil. We become spiritually minded and don't let it bother us. We'll get to that. 
First Peter 3. Now you're going to get excited. Are you ready? We went through all the bad part. Now are you ready for the good part? All right. Some of you are. Some of you don't think you can take another word. First Peter 3. Verse 10. King James. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. The Amplified says it the way I want to say it. It says, For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, whether apparent or not, keep his tongue from evil and his lips from guile. The Living Bible says, if you want to have a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue. And that's where it starts. No matter how bad it is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how many times the devil's pulled it over on you, don't let it slip out of this. Doesn't matter. No matter, it, it doesn't matter if it seems like you have to say it. Put some tape over it. <laughs> Don't say what he wants you to say. Don't say we can't get along. Don't say we can't pay our bills. Don't say we don't have enough money. Don't say we won't be able to buy the tag. Don't say how are we going to raise this kid. Don't say what are we going to do with them. Don't say we have a horrible marriage. Don't say, don't... If you want to see good days, watch that tongue. You want to enjoy life? What does it say? Control your tongue. The New Living says, uh, the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Now, what is evil? Anything that's... Anything that's contrary to the word is exactly right. Have you ever said anything contrary to the word? Let's not raise our hands. Psalm 34 says the same thing. We won't read all of them. I'll read you one of them. The Living Bible says, Do you want a long, good life? Now, there's a difference between a long life and a long, good life. Then watch your tongue. And keep your lips from lying. Now let me tell you something the Lord showed me today. Lying is not just about another person or another thing. Lying is saying something contrary to the word. If you say something contrary to the word and you are a born again believer, you are lying. So... Watch your tongue and keep your lips from lying. Only say what the Word says about your situation. I don't care how bad it is or what it looks like. The money's coming. All our bills are paid. I'm full of joy and I got the victory. 2 Timothy 2. The Living Bible says, O Timothy, my son... Be strong with the strength Christ Jesus gave you. For you must teach others those things you and many others have heard me speak about. 
teach these great truths to be trustworthy men who will in turn pass them on to others. How many of you in here are going to pass things on to others? Then pay close attention. Take your share of suffering. Now, this isn't key sermon. I just had it in here. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, just as I do. As Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in worldly affairs. The 12 cell phones. We won't ask how many people in here has failed a stress test when they went to the doctor. We are not, we are in this world, but we are not to be. We have a greater place. We are just visiting this place. And we shouldn't have to be involved in all the crud that goes on here. We should always keep in mind, we have a place of peace that we can go to. And it's in Him. And it doesn't matter how bad that person at work irritated you. You can just smile at them because you know you don't have to live with them forever. And you know what? If God called you to be with your spouse, you're not going to live with them through eternity either as a spouse. But if God told you to be with them here, you better be believing things are going to get better instead of what you've been looking at and thinking about. It's all in what you've been thinking about. For then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you in the army. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work, just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. Uh Uh-oh. What's that next two words? You mean we got to work again? We can't just let our flesh do what it wants it to do. We have to control our minds. We have to control our bodies. We have to control what we do, what we say, what we think. Work hard like a farmer who gets paid well if he raises a large crop. We have to do things. There's work in this. Think over these three illustrations. And may the Lord help you to understand how they apply to you. He was charging them to do that. And it's important that we do. Verse 13 says, Even when we are too weak and have any faith left, He remains faithful to us and will help us. For He cannot disown us who are a part of Himself. And he will always carry out his promises to us. Remind your people, that's what I'm doing, of these great facts. And command them in the name of the Lord not to argue over unimportant things such as arguments that are confusing and useless and even harmful. Hard work so God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines your work. 
Know what his word says and means. Steer clear of foolish discussions that lead people into the sin of anger with each other. Luke 4, verse 18 in the NIV. says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and what? Release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that means if you're oppressed or you're in bondage, Jesus came to set you free. You don't got to stay there. You can come out. Acts 10.38, I think you know it, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing what? Good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So oppression is from the devil. Why would you want to yield to it? Why would you want to give it one moment in your life? You want to party with the devil. That's what's happening. You're partying with icky and sticky and stinky and dummy one and dummy two. And so you become icky and sticky and dummy and because evil communications who you hang around with rubs off on you. So if you're partying with the devil, things ain't going to go good. It says the devil oppressed them. So I've got a revelation flash. Everybody look forward. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. Don't look at your kids. Do not blame another person for your problems. So long as you continue to blame another person for your problems, you will never be free from your problems. The devil is the one doing the oppressing. Sure, they may be yielding some, but until you begin to see, I can be happy no matter what they're doing, you'll never be free. Was it Lester that said, other people's minds is no place for me to look for my happiness? We got to remember that. And as long as you're looking to other people to blame them because you're depressed or you're oppressed or there's problems, I don't care if it's your boss, your mother-in-law, Jim, quit fighting with your mother-in-law. He's not fighting with his mother-in-law. I'm just picking on him. You understand what I'm saying? You don't blame anybody else for your troubles or why you're down or why you're upset or why you're broke or they didn't pay me or this didn't happen. 
look it straight in the eye and say, God, this is between me and you. It does not matter. Put a circle around you. Don't you think Job wanted to blame everybody under the sun? Put a circle around you and say, God, this is between me and you. We're going to fix this. We're going to come out of here happy. Find you six weeks. You find him, he'll find you. You lose him, he ain't going to lose you, but you lost him. Lamentations 3, 22 in the NIV. Before we read that, let me read you this. You say, you don't know about my troubles. You don't know about what I've got going on. That's why I'm depressed or that's why I'm upset. You know what 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, right? There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Let's read it from a couple of translations. It's real good for you to see it. But such as is common to man, God is what? Faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The New Living says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure it. The message says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. There's people in here tonight, right this very minute, that are mad at God. Because they've been depressed. They've been upset. They've gotten their Bible out. They've gotten psalms out. They've cried. They've asked God to help them. They've prayed. And they think God hadn't heard them. God's heard you. But He also told you what to do way back. And He won't change His word. And He won't change His way. It's us that have to change. And we can, we can go down in depression. We can stay in a, a, a oppression. We can be upset at, and mad at God. We can be furious at our spouses. We can be uh, upset with our neighbor next door. We can be upset with the church. We can be upset with the pastor because they don't care and they're not counseling us. We can be upset because they don't know about it. We can be everything under the sun. But until we do... What we know we're supposed to do, God himself cannot fix it. 
as much as he wants to. He wants it fixed. He wants it fixed worse than you want it fixed because he wants you blessed because that's his love for you. He wants it good. He wants you to have everything in abundance. He came so you could, he sent Jesus so you could enjoy life. And I can't imagine, anything in me can imagine that he is blessed and almost that he has to turn his head to see it when people are that way. Because he's, it's like he's thinking, just do what I asked you. It's just like a parent thinking, just do what I asked you to do. I mean, I've got employees right now that are living in total turmoil. I told them the answer 20 years ago. And they're still in turmoil today. And they cry. And they're sad. And they're without. And things have not gotten better. And, and when things go bad for them and they lose things, I've told Dave a couple of them, it's like, why won't they just do and you just cry. So I can imagine if that's how my heart is. And they do without so much because so many times I've wanted to do for them. And I couldn't. And I know that's the way God has to be with us. He so wants to do for us and give us things and do things for us. And he can't. His hands are tied. Because we tie him. But don't be mad at God. He's your only help. He's your answer. He's your source. He's the way out. He's the escape. He's the light. He's the victory. He's the enjoyment. He's, he's the everything. The moment you get mad at him, you cut yourself off and you get on the devil's turf and you'll never get the right answer. It'll always seem like the right answer. Because he's very good at trickery and deception. And it'll seem like you're going the right way. And you'll just get darker and darker and darker and more upset. And you'll be so adamant that this is the answer. But once you get off the path, your adamacy is the wrong answer. You've got to get back to God to get the right answer. And you can bet you if you're mad at God... You got the wrong answer. Lamentations 3.22 NIV Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. The Living Bible says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had major turmoil going on in your life one night, and the next morning you wake up and you just think, I just want it all to be over with when you wake up? Why is that? 
a new day. His mercies are new today. And that's exactly what should happen. You should do whatever it takes to make it so. That's God's plan. If you had a major fight, if you had a major blowout, if you had a major lawsuit, if you had a major catastrophe, you should do whatever it takes the next morning to make it right. Because that's our Father God. I don't care how bad it was. If His mercies are new every morning, and we're created in His image, then maybe our mercy should be new every morning. Think about it. Proverbs 24. NIV. Verse 15. I like this. You're going to like it. Don't lie in wait. It's the NIV. Did I say that? 24.15. Don't lie in wait like an outlaw against a righteous man's house. Do not raid his dwelling place. For though a righteous man falls seven times... What'll happen? He rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. The living Bible says, O evil man, leave the upright man alone and quit trying to cheat him out of his rights. Don't you know that this good man, though you trip him up seven times, each time he'll rise again. But one calamity is enough to lay you low. So look out, dude. Oh, here's what I've been waiting for all night. Have you got your shouting clothes, as Brother Hagen used to say? Are you in any way, shape, form, or fashion going to do what God said for you to do? Or do you just want to stay sick and broke and poor and oppressed and depressed and in the mully grubs? And not enjoy life at all the whole rest of your broke, miserable life. Because that's what you're going to be if you stay there. Or you want to do something about it. Okay. Get your Bible. Or matter of fact, if you don't have an Amplified, just look up at the screen. Isaiah 61. 60, verse 1. I think you know it already. Read it with me. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Did he ask you to do that or did he tell you to do that? Do you get to choose if you're going to be obedient to what God tells you to do? If you are saved and he is your Lord, what do you do? You arise and you shine. It don't matter what you feel like. 
It don't matter if you feel like 40 miles of muddy road. Lower than a snake's belly and a wagon rut, as they used to say. You get up and you arise and you shine. It don't matter what's happened to you, what you feel like, how many of the devils in hell have come against you, Icky and Sticky and Dummy and Mo and whatever their names are. Not Mo. <laughs> whatever their names are. It don't matter if they've mounted against you. The moment that you arise and shine, they have to fall away. Because they are no match for God's creation. They can't even stay in the same room if you are rising and shining the light and put them out. Ephesians 4.24 says, and again, this is not a request. It says, put on the new man, after which God is created in what? Righteousness and true holiness. It doesn't matter what you feel like. He has made you righteous. With His righteousness, He paid a price for you. Oppression is under the curse. We are redeemed from the curse. And I don't know about you, but nowhere in my Bible does it say the blood worked up until 2009 or 2010, and then things got too chaotic in the world, and the blood lost its power. So the blood still works today. So you are still redeemed today. So you cannot be depressed today if you're still redeemed. It's already paid for. Just like your healing. Just like your salvation. So you should not yield to it. So you're going to put on the new man. The Amplified says, put on the new nature. The regenerated self, God's created image, created in God's image, God-like, true righteousness and holiness. The NIV says, and put on the new self. How many of you got a new self tonight? The devil doesn't get a choice. Now, you can sit there and be the same old self if you want to be and be broke and poor and depressed all the rest of your miserable, broke, sad days. I'm not going to be. The New Living says, put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Colossians says pretty much the same thing. 3.10, it says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Amplified says, clothe yourselves with the new spiritual self which is ever in the process of being renewed, remolded into a fuller, more perfect knowledge upon knowledge and image in the likeness of Him who created Him. 
The NIV says, don't lie. Verse 9, it starts with verse 9 on this one. I've got, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices. How many of you are going to take off your old self here in a few minutes? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. The new living says, strip off your old sinful nature and put on your new nature. This is what our new nature is going to be. Are you ready for it? Proverbs 17, 22. King James. Ready? Uh-huh. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries your bones. The Amplified says, A happy heart is a good medicine, and a cheerful mind works healing, whether it's for oppression or depression or your body or for any area of your life. You control your mind and keep it cheerful. What's going to happen? The Living Bible. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Listen to the next part of that. Uh, let's see. The New Living. Sorry. Put the New Living up there. I'll wait on it. Ooh. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. How many of you could use a little extra strength? I wonder what's been sapping your strength. How's your heart been? We're going to put on some cheerfulness tonight. Whether we want to or not. Nana, nana, devil. He ain't going to have no part with us anymore. He's going to lose total control over your life. The message says a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom. Leave you bone tired. Now, don't, wives and husbands, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever had your spouse come in and say, I am just bone tired. I'm just so tired. They're telling off on themselves, right? So now if they come home and say, I am just so tired, you're going to say, how was your cheerfulness today, sweetheart? (laughs) Spell it out to them. Because that's what leaves you bone tired. Because you know what? Dave told me this the other day, and you know, I had totally forgotten it. Dan can tell you. Gary can tell you. If Rob were here, he could tell you. We worked for six weeks, night and day. Very little sleep. Jim and Giovanna were in here. We worked night and day. Jim was here. Chad was here. Lots of us were here. We were happy the whole stinking time. We were giggling. We were laughing. I remember one night we hadn't had any sleep in days. I can't remember how many days it was. Rob was up here about 6,000 feet up. And he was hanging and kind of dangling from up there doing something, removing a trapeze or something. And he was about to fall and break his neck, look like. And we were laughing at him. We were all laughing so hard. It was unreal. We were happy. Being tired 
is no excuse for being down. Being tired is only an excuse for being tired spiritually is why you're down. Your body can be bone tired. But the only thing that makes you unhappy is being tired spiritually. You're drained spiritually. You have no spiritual strength. So we got to stir it up and build it up. Okay? Let's see. The Amplified, 1 Timothy 6.17. You're going to like these last few verses, and I know what time it is. I take after my husband. I'm married to him. We are one. 1 Timothy. Hey, what you got better to do than to get out of the mully grubs after how many years has it been? What you going to do when you go home tonight? Turn on that stinking TV or complain or whine or sleep? Sleep is overrated, I'm telling you. It's overrated. The Word is much more important to you right now. It's overrated. And uh, they got control of the kids back there. I guarantee you they do. They know what to do. 1 Timothy 6.17, the Amplified says, As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything. Now, why are we not enjoying anything? God gives us everything under the sun to enjoy and we're working ourselves silly because we're not obeying Him. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Why are we not enjoying anything? Because we're not doing what He says do. Because if we ever get, guys, if we ever get, oh, if we ever do what he tells us to do, 100%, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then everything else will be added to us, and we can enjoy things, and we can play, and we can have fun, and we don't have to work ourselves silly all the time. But we got to do what he says do. It don't come from thinking that we're doing what he says do. He wants us to enjoy everything. Everything in life. He gave it to us to enjoy. And we can have fun. He's not against fun. He wants us to have fun. I'm going to show you that. Okay. Um, the NIV says, Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me read you Psalms 4, 6, 8 from the easy to read. I doubt they have that. They may have it. Do they have the easy read? Tara says yes, they do. She's our... It's Tara stand up. Yeah. In case y'all don't wonder whoever gets in trouble if something's not put on the screen, that's who it is. (laughs) If it's not up immediately or if it's not the right verse, there she is. Give her a big hand because she doesn't she do a wonderful job. 
Yes, yes, yes. She's got a crew back there that helps her really, really, really good, but she does a wonderful job. Okay. The easy to read says, many, four, six through eight. Many people say, not many people in here, right? Many people say, I wish I could enjoy the good life. How many other people in here say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might want to put your hand down. Lord, give us some of those blessings. But he has, is what he's saying. I've made, you've made me happier than they um, will ever be with all their wine and grain. Listen to this. When I go to bed, I sleep in peace. Because you, Lord, keep me safe. we got to start out being thankful for the things that we have before we get more, to enjoy more. When I was reading today, and I was thinking about enjoying life, and I was thinking about the Old Testament, and I was thinking about the way that God did things, how many of you remember the Old Testament very much at all? How many have been reading your chapters with us? Okay. Nehemiah says, you all know it, 8, it says, verse 10, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat fat, drink the sweet, send the portions to them who have nothing prepared, for today is holy unto the Lord. Be you not sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? Well, I read it in some different translations, and then I got to laughing about some things. Because it was really funny what I saw after I looked at that. The Amplified says, Don't be grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Living says... You must not be dejected and sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The New Living says, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods, sweet drinks, share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then I got to the Message Bible, and I thought, hmm, So put it up there, who's ever back there, there it is. He continued, go home and prepare a feast, holiday, food and drink. Share it with those who don't have anything. This day is holy to God. Don't feel bad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Lord reminded me, This is a holiday weekend. And this was one of the last verses that I wound up with. And it was kind of like it was an assignment. Because you know what? You know why so many of us are sad and dejected? Do you know how many times in the Old Testament he told them to have a party? 
and have a feast, they'd have parties for two weeks at a time. But you know what? We are too busy and too broke because we're too depressed. It's time, guys, that we shake that stuff off. And we get out of our comfort zone. And we get with people. And we get from in front of that stinking TV. And it don't matter if you know them or you don't. You invite people and you say, let's have a party. And you get to know them. And you do what God told you to do. It's work. It's work to make friends. It's work to fellowship. It's work to do those things. I had no more thought of this when I was preparing this message than anything. But it's a holiday weekend. And everybody can afford a weenie. And you may, you may not have a grill, stick it on the top of your stove and burn it. <laughs> it's not the food. It's the time, guys, that we quit thinking about ourselves. And you may not know it, but the person sitting next to you may be ready to quit. They may be ready to throw in the towel. And you may just invite them over there this weekend and just have a glorious fun time with your tank top and shorts on and your redneck ways. (laughs) And they may just get free. I mean, who knows? You could invite her. I remember one time we invited some people over to our house. They didn't have any money, and we was all going to school, and everybody was broke as broke could be. And the only food we had was food that uh, we got brought in from Mississippi, uh, peas and butter beans and corn from the freezer, you know? And nobody at school had any food, and so I was going to cook. And uh, I cooked some, and we had some Canadians come over, and they liked them hawk-eyed peas. It was black-eyed peas and ham hocks, but they liked the hawk-eyed peas. They, first, when they came around, they made their plates, and they put about six little peas and two little butter beans. But by the time it was over with, they were restocking their plates. You don't have to have everything in common. That's how you get things in common. By having fun, by doing things. You know, they may teach you something you don't know. And you know what? It could be a good thing. You don't have to do everything exactly the same way. They may teach you how to wear a regular T-shirt instead of a tank top. And that you don't have to wear socks with those tennis shoes. And that bikini swimsuit at the pool 
for you guys with the... <laughs> they might talk to you about it. <laughs> you know, I know the Hagans had a sign up on their, at their pool, you know, guys, no bikinis. <laughs> you know, we had to obey it, you know. But it's time to enjoy life. It's time to figure out ways to enjoy life. And make yourself do it. How many of you are ready to do it? Stand up if you're ready to do it. Sit down if you're not. I was reading through some of the feasts. Let me tell you some of the parties that they had. They had... A party beyond parties, Abraham did when Isaac was weaned. Now, how many of you had a party when your child was weaned? How many of you had a party when your child was potty trained? You celebrated, I know. I mean, they had parties. At Pharaoh's birthday party, they had a party. Um, let's see. They had a party when they made a covenant and they didn't kill David. They had a party. Yeah. They had a party for seven days, Pharaoh did. Uh, and then he said, that wasn't enough, so let's add seven more days to it. And um, let's see. I've got 14 pages here of feast. I looked up gladness and glad and joy and excited and happy today. It was so many. My computer went and locked up when it did it. I had to wait forever for it to do it. I mean, it was so many times in the Bible that it was telling us to be happy and joy and, and excited about things. We are an example of God. And I just can't picture God... Needing somebody to prop him up. I can't picture God needing somebody to tell him, it's going to be okay, you can do it. Now we're created in his image. We should be able to prop our own selves up. Okay? Um, let's see uh, some of the other feasts. Solomon, oh boy, Solomon had some feast. Oh, this, this was one of my favorites. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, Vashti had a feast for all the ladies. And um, then her husband could not be outdone by it. So he made a feast three times as long. Ahasuerus made a feast and he did some things. I'm telling you what, you should read about these things. Do you all remember them? I'm telling you, he made a feast and that's when he and Esther met. Um, let's see. Um Oh, and I like this. Proverbs 15, 15 says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that has a merry heart has a continual feast. So uh, what, what do we have? We can have a continual feast. So are you ready? You're obedient. And you're good, and you're full, of, and you're going to be full of joy, right? Okay, 
I, I know you are. And um, it's not always easy to do um, things that you just don't always want to do and, and, and put on joy. And, um, and Dan's laughing because he knows me. I want you to get out of your seats. Let's see, it is 9.30. Yes, I'm aware. Nine, that clock says 9.31. My watch says 9.30. Um, you on the Internet, same thing. I want you to get out of your seats, men with men, ladies with ladies. Grab a partner. Somebody you don't know. He has made me glad. Somebody you don't know. Grab a partner. Everybody. You can even come down here to the front. We're going to have a good time just for a minute. Grab a partner. Everybody grab your partner. This is something we do in youth, so we're going to do it as adults. The Bible says unless you be converted and become as a little child, we're going to become as little children in here tonight. Are you ready? Who doesn't have a partner? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a gentleman here. There's a lady here. Here's another lady. Raise your hand if you don't have a partner. There's a lady over here. Get three. If you need three to group with somebody, get with somebody. It doesn't have to be two. Three is fine. More the merrier. You're going to have to get out of your aisles, though, so come on down here to the front. Get in the middle of the aisles. Get to the sides. Get to the back. Get out of your rows. Isn't it fun to come to church? You never know what I'm going to do, do you? Just never know. Do you think you guys are exempt? All right, here we go. We're going to sing, He Has Made Me Glad. And we're just going to do some little twirlies in little circles with our partner. Yes, we are. Kimmy, y'all come on up here and I'll just twirl with y'all. Here we go. You can take your shoes off, ladies, if you have heels on. And guys, you can just twirl around. And you're just going to do it like you're six years old. And remember what it's like to be happy again. Glory to God. Ready, set, go.
This is exactly what I want you to do at home when that spirit of heaviness comes on you. I want you to find a child or a spouse or a neighbor or somebody and start making circles singing, He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. So Dave's going to come up here and get ready to dismiss us and stuff, but I want you to do this, guys. We do not need a spirit of oppression and depression lurking around this place. We need a spirit of gladness in representing the Lord in everything that we do. Don't you agree? Glory to God.